Why did the Ukraine and the FBI format file refer you to the question? Why is that term to be applied? Thank you very much. Why did you ask such a dumb question? It was a great question. And finally, Joe Biden asked to his face, hey, why is everybody calling you the big guy and all this stuff and the FBI and the emails? The big guy. Did you catch it? One more time. I love it. It's finally happening. Why did the Ukraine and FBI format file refer you to the big guy? Why is that term to be applied? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Seriously, three years after we first heard about the big guy, somebody's finally asking him about being the big guy. And these questions are starting to come up. And it's a beautiful thing. Look, these questions must be answered. So they must be asked. And Joe's reaction, it's priceless. All right, I've seen a couple of versions. Number one, the first time, there was denial. Not true. And a retreat. And then the bargaining. Uh, yeah, come on, man. What are you doing that for? And then today... Anger, anger, and this case seems to be gathering momentum. Who's heard of this guy? Zlochevsky. Apparently, he is the founder of Burisma, and he may have had a role in hiring Hunter Biden. Um, Hunter, I hope he's clean. I hope he's sober. Uh, but he was in no condition to be an employee of Burisma at $83,000 a month with a $3 million signing bonus. Forget about the substance abuse problems and the hookers and the drugs and all this stuff. He had no qualifications to be on a foreign energy company. It was ludicrous. Everybody seems to understand it. And now we're hearing this. $10 million paid to each of them, allegedly, and coercion may have been involved. The Federalists, great people there, Margot Cleveland, has lit the world on fire with her story tonight. Let's go through it. The Bidens coerced Burisma to pay $10 million in bribes, says credible FBI source. Margot Cleveland from the Federalist. Let's take a look inside. Zlochevsky allegedly was dismayed by Trump's victory, fearing an investigation would reveal his payments to the Biden family. Wow. Included a $5 million payment to Hunter Biden and a $5 million payment to Joe Biden, allegedly. Next, Zlochevsky then allegedly detailed the steps he had taken to avoid detection. Yes, uh, this rings very familiar. Uh, catching these guys, they knew sooner or later they'd be looked into. Take a look at what the House Oversight Committee said. It looks complicated and sounds complicated. It was intentionally made to be complicated so you could not follow the money. So you could not follow the money. And it sounds like this Lochevsky guy was on the same page. What next from the Federalist, please? Never paid the big guy directly. That was a safety measure. Okay, what else? Would take some 10 years to unravel the various money trails. Yep, just like Nancy Mace was saying. Finally, oh, Zlobczewski mentioned the audio recordings he had made of the conversations he had with Hunter and Joe Biden. Wow, could they exist? Next, please. CHS, by the way, is a confidential human source. This is according to the confidential human source as seen, we believe, in the FBI's 1023 form. All right, 1023 form. It's getting a little arcane, and they want it that way, and it seems like the FBI... They don't want us to know about this stuff. More on that in a moment. $10 million. Some folks have noticed that in 2017, Joe Biden's first year post-vice presidency, how much money did he make? 
<laughs> more than $11 million. Now, I know vice presidents can sit on corporate boards and get a lot of arrangements and have the money come in, but that's a very big figure. Uh, it's been mentioned that Joe Biden made all that off of his book, uh, Promise Me, Dad. No, there's no way. There's no way. And it's very unclear, according to his taxes, how he got all that money. Maybe this is a big clue. Look, is the House Oversight Committee wrong about everything? I don't think so. They've looked at the SARS, the suspicious activity reports. What do we have so far? A million dollars coming to the Bidens, it looks like, from Romania. Don't forget the three million dollars going to the Bidens, you know, through this person, that person, this shell company and that uh, from China. Three million distributed to cousins, grandchildren, you name it. They had this disguise very well, it would appear. And we do know this. Joe Biden has lied about this matter. Absolutely. And even the Joe Biden supporters would have to say, yeah, you got us. First, who remembers this denial from 2017? Joe Biden getting the talking to of a lifetime from Donald Trump. I don't make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe, and your son gave you. They even have a statement that we have to give 10 percent to the big man. You're the big man, I think. I don't know. Maybe you're not. But you're the big man, I think. Your son said we have to give 10 percent to the big man. Joe, what's that all about? It's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. Listen to Joe's denial. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about uh, what are you talking about? China. I have not had it. The only guy made money from China is this guy. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. No, we know for sure that his son made money in China. And we know that because Hunter Biden's lawyers admitted as much. They told the world Hunter Biden made money in China. As part of that joint venture, Hunter received his portion of good faith seed funds which he shared with his uncle, James Biden, and Haley Biden, as one does, with whom he was involved at the time, sharing expenses. Next, please. Hunter Biden, a private citizen with every right to pursue his own business endeavors, joined several business partners in seeking a joint venture with a privately owned, legitimate energy company in China. That, I'm sure, has nothing to do with the Chinese Communist Party. Um, Joe Biden was lying about Hunter. Absolutely. And I think it's a giveaway in the body language. Did you see the thing he did with his head right, right when he says Hunter made money? You see that? Who me? He's like, Donald Trump actually figured that one out? Yes, he did. And a lot of us have. Tony Bobolinsky was one of the first to come forward, right? That was a game changer. Of course, there is the laptop that, well, you lied about that one too, right, Joe? That it was uh, Russia disinformation and the intelligence community actually helped you. And now the House Oversight Committee, well, it looks like they've got the goods. The investigation continues, and um, we need to see some of this evidence. But look, the FBI, they were leaking stuff about Donald Trump for three years. Was that stuff true? No. I really think we have to make this something, right? FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation? No. Friends of Biden Incorporated. Don't forget it. Friends of Biden Incorporated because they did everything they could to trip up Trump and protect Joe and other Democrats. Remember this? Now on MSNBC, several new allegations this morning about an investigation into Donald Trump's campaign and ties to Russia. His very uh, explosive charge that there was coordination between Donald Trump and the Russian government. This remarkable detail 
about Donald Trump and the Russian government. Whether Donald Trump himself is just uh, a puppet for the Kremlin. These were lies, and a lot of them came from the FBI. How about that? So over the top. And the questions about Joe Biden are kind of out there. I'm talking about him. That guy's talking about him. Maybe Breitbart, maybe Newsmax, but, you know, not that much momentum because they own the culture. They do. Bob Mueller, remember that, huh? Remember what he found, oh, by the way. He found that there was no conspiracy, but even he, he could not help himself. He said Donald Trump is not guilty, but he is also not innocent. Even when he's innocent, they try to, it's crazy. Vinman, that cubicle dweller, how the whole country had to listen to that nonsense. Pretty amazing, huh? And why, this does kind of explain why Joe is so tight with Ukraine. It could, when you think about it, right? I mean, if they have audio tapes of Joe accepting bribes, I mean, they could blow up his life. They could blow up the presidency. He's got to do whatever it takes, right? It would explain why there's basically no concern about the border. I mean, our enemies don't want us to have a country. And this is, well, destabling our country, possibly even destroying our country. It would explain also the balloon, all that money from China, and the balloon flies over America and we don't do a damn thing about it. All right. And also this, you know, a president of the United States is supposed to stick up for America, right? Every country has their problems, but you're not supposed to talk about it all the time. Here he is on Martin Luther King Day. If you live in one of those neighborhoods and you have the same exact car I have in the other neighborhood, you pay more for your insurance than that side. No basis for it, none at all, other than you're black and I'm white. Yeah, that's that's America, right? Right there, Hancho. Huh, that's that's us in a nutshell. Telling ghost stories about America. Ghost stories about us. You know, I've actually been looking. I don't like President Xi. I don't like President Putin. I don't like anybody. Uh, but they don't badmouth their own countries. He just gave a major speech before some conference, and it was all about how China is great and has been great and will continue to be great and get bigger. We never hear that from Joe Biden. And what kind of message would President Xi want Joe Biden to preach? That America is great? I don't think so. I think he'd like to fuel a psychological warfare campaign that seems to be in full swing with Trump's indictment. This is, this is psychological warfare. It is completely unjust. But some beautiful things are happening. People came to support the president. Uh, they're doing it across the country. They're doing it in their hearts. But these folks who actually turned out in front of the courthouse, it was a very nice thing. And President Trump noticed and says thank you. I want to thank all of the thousands of people in Miami, great place, for showing up at the courthouse and doing it in such an elegant manner, but showing respect because you recognize that this was a false and fraudulent indictment of me by corrupt people. To see the love and the, the just the spirit was incredible. It was an incredible thing to witness. And the Hispanic community, Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, so much, and so many, so many people. I just want to thank everybody. It was heartwarming to watch it. The love, the total love and the spirit. So again, to Miami and to all of the people in Miami, which we've had tremendous success with, which is very, very special and a very special place. But more importantly, very, very special people. Thank you very much for being there. I appreciate it. 
That was really nice, wasn't it? The people, the people get it. They do, always do. We get it. All right, coming up. Why is America on a losing streak when it comes to war, huh? We're losing left and right. Big part of it. A very weak general officer corps. More when I come back. Nobody would be tougher on ISIS than Donald Trump. Nobody. I will find within our military, I will find the General Patton, or I will find General MacArthur. I will find the right guy. I will find the guy that's going to take that military and make it really work. Nobody, nobody will be pushing us around. Eight years ago tomorrow, Donald Trump announcing for president eight years ago tomorrow. Um, but that quest to find the right general turned out to be very, very hard. And it's going to be hard the next time if he gets in because the generals, not all that these days. Uh, incredibly weak, timid, bureaucratic, political, bad, just bad. And this has been a long time coming, all right? All kinds of things happening in the military. They don't want effective leaders rising through the ranks. They want malleable, weak, frightened men and women, and that's what they've got. Now, I like General John Kelly in terms of his record in the military, but there are some limitations if you spend too much time in the military, all right? You're off cloistered on bases, and sometimes the world passes you by. He looked the part looked strong, was strong, but not very savvy, not very sophisticated, in over his head at the Department of Homeland Security and as chief of staff. President Trump made him the chief of staff, and he just did not have the political acumen for the job. Not his fault, really. You can't get that often in the Marine Corps. Some can. He definitely didn't. And what is he doing now? Trashing Trump. Because, hey, in the swamp, that's what you do. Horrible comments from the chief of staff. What did he say? He's scared blankless. This is the way he compensates for that. He gives people the appearance he doesn't care by doing this for the first time in his life. It looks like he's being held accountable for the first time in his life. This is, this is what happens when you're retired and you watch a lot of MSNBC. This is not President Trump. He hasn't known him for his entire life. And a couple of leadership traits in the Marine Corps, one of them is loyalty and the other is tact. This is not loyal. This is tactless, although maybe it works for him. Look, this is the same guy who fired Scaramucci. Remember Scaramucci? An opportunity for me to serve the country. I love the president. I said that candidly that I was disappointed, but I love the president, and I'm very, very loyal to the president. I, I don't think I'd be standing here if I didn't have a good relationship with the president. I love the president, and I think a lot of you guys know in the media I've been very, very loyal to him. But here's what I will tell you, okay? I love the president. All right. Uh, he really loved the president, right? He was a terrible communications director with the sunglasses all about him. I mean, it was just bizarre. He got kind of screwed by the fake news. Um, but Trump derangement syndrome, whatever, midlife crisis. After all that love, he started hating Donald Trump. And then John Kelly, who fired him, linked up with him. These guys are buddy buddies now. It's a very strange thing. I think money has a lot to do with it. I'm not exactly sure how, but money talks in the swamp. So what about the accountability? 
for generals, for senior Pentagon officials like, yeah, General Mattis, who later became Secretary of Defense, also undermined Trump in big ways and small every chance he got. Now, if you served on active duty as a general in Afghanistan or in Iraq, I think you've got some explaining to do, right? We support men and women in troops, but the decision makers, uh, I think they blew the war, don't you? The one in Afghanistan, the one in Iraq. And there's something very strange about military culture. It's changed over the past 10, 20, 30 years. Who knows how long this has been taking place, but look, Political leaders need to know what the hell's going on in a war. And generals like this, they never actually were straight with the American people. Remember how we were always doing great right up until the day we lost? I think uh, that the development of the Afghan army is on a very good path right now. We, we've made tremendous strides, incredible progress in the last 20 months. The solid partnership has been the thing that has been really striking for me all around the country. It's fair to ask if we're winning in Afghanistan. I believe the answer is yes, and several facts allow me to say that with confidence. And we've seen some great, great uh, progress in some of the operations based even at the tactical level on the intelligence uh, structure. They showed me the positive changes they have helped bring about, the villages they can now enter, the, uh, the Afghan police and forces they are training and trying to improve. It's like a yes man culture. It is, and I think that has to be addressed. Everybody telling the boss what they think the boss wants to hear. So when President Trump becomes president again, as I hope he does, he's going to have to look very, very hard for the guy, for the general. He may have to find somebody who's not a general, maybe a major, maybe a captain, maybe a sergeant, maybe a petty officer. Seriously, these guys are better than these guys. Could be like this. So Eisenhower led America's military in World War II, right? But what was he in 1941, just before the war started? He was just a lieutenant colonel. He was an 05, but they knew he was talented. They spotted it, and they started to promote the hell out of him again and again and again, all the way up to five-star general. When Trump gets in there again, who knows who the guy is to lead the military? Might be a general, might be an officer, might be an enlisted man. Maybe we should try that. I think it'd be a pretty cool thing. You know, America's really consumed with status, status. And it's, a, it's probably a negative thing. What is it? Position or rank in relation to others. Rank in a hierarchy of prestige. Tom Wolfe, the great American writer, he was obsessed with status. Thought it was the prime motivator of people. Look at this. I think every living moment of a human being's life, unless the person is starving or in immediate danger of death in some other way, is controlled by a concern for status. Stat I don't know if that applies to everybody, but I know it applies to folks in the fake news. Absolutely. They are consumed with status. They write for each other. They perform for each other. They give each other awards. It's all about where they fit in the pack. It's very much like high school, the cool kids, the less than cool kids, this table, that table in the cafeteria. And they're particularly obsessed with who went to what school. And the ultimate in college for them is the Ivy League, right? Princeton, Harvard, all these big schools. 
Nobody in the real world cares, and if you've been alive, you'll probably have met somebody who went to one of these schools who isn't very impressive. But the media, they look past that. They love it. Only 0.4% of the American population actually graduated from an Ivy League school. Incidentally, yes, President Trump graduated from the University of Pennsylvania. Good for him back in 1968. But he started at a working class school, Fordham University. University, a commuter school. I, there he is on the second from the right. Yeah, Donald Trump with the rugby team, I think, or the tennis team or the squash club, something like that. Um, look, I think he had designs to be a major presence in New York City and the nation, and he knew at that point that an Ivy League credential could help. And it did, and it did, but it's gotten way out of hand. Something like one in four presidents. Ivy League school. And everybody over at CNN, Ivy League school. Oh boy, so big, so important. Anderson Cooper, Yale University. They love that over there. The audience could care less. Jake Tapper, Dartmouth College. Again, the audience doesn't care. It would explain a lot though, right? They go to these colleges and they become the way they are. We know what's happening at these woke colleges. I think you're better off at community college or taking the money and investing it or learning a trade or I don't know, but four years of private school education, that is four years of something bad. I'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Carson. Imagine this. In the dead of night, you're lying in bed. Suddenly, you hear something go bump. What's your next move? Well, you reach for the ultimate solution. The new MC-14 T tip-up pistol from EAA Corp and Gerson. This game-changing firearm is perfect for those with limited hand strength disabilities or anyone seeking a comfortable and user-friendly alternative. Picture this. The MC-14T features an ingenious tip-up barrel design, making loading and unloading a breeze. Say goodbye to struggles while racking a slide. Just load the tip-up barrel, lock it back, and you're ready to fire. That is pretty ingenious, actually. The MC-14T is chambered in 380 ACP boasting a 13-plus round capacity. With its reliable stopping power and compact size, it's an excellent choice for personal defense, complete with accessory rail and ambidextrous safeties. Experience a new level of convenience, available with all EAA Corp. distributors, starting at an incredibly affordable MSRP of just $498. Don't miss out on this game-changing firearm. Visit EAACorp.com today. EAACorp.com. You know, everybody's reporting the same stories, the same spin. You turn the channel, it's always the same. But not us. We're different. We report the real news. No spin, just the facts. Turn to us, and you won't turn back. Tune in to Rob Schmidt tonight on Newsmax. Well, there's Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida, Republican of Florida, who has emerged as a superstar of the Republican Party. Uh, there he is speaking truth to power, the truth about Joe Biden, uh, the allegations getting him out there. And here he is on the fake news, CNN owning the network. <laughs> An unbelievable moment that went mega viral that we'll, uh, we'll get to in a bit. But first, Congressman Donalds, welcome to Newsmax. Great to finally meet you in person. How are you? Good to be with you. So how bad is it for Joe Biden right now? You think he's sweating it? Uh, I think he is, but there's a lot of people who are dissembling, trying to ignore this. Obviously, media doesn't want to cover this at all. They would rather focus on other things. The other thing I think has occurred in our country is 
Uh, they had to have known this indictment on Donald Trump was coming. And so is it a coincidence that Christopher Ray allows members of the Oversight Committee to read this FBI document on the day that an indictment's coming down on Donald Trump? I don't, I don't think there are any coincidences um, in this situation. But I do think he's feeling the pressure and that they're sweating about it. They're just happy that the media is covering up for them up until this point. And their real hope is that this story fizzles out and that something else happens in our politics so they don't have to answer the fundamental question of, of Joe, where's the money <laughs> and what would you do with it? Uh, that's what he asked the other day, too. Where's I know. the money? And now I'm asking him seriously because all signs point to he and his family were getting money from foreign companies, foreign countries. We've seen it with Romania. We've seen it with China. We now see it with Ukraine. We have this document pointing directly to Burisma. And the only reason why Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma was because they needed him to be the conduit of influence peddling to Joe Biden. We see in that document that they sent the money through multiple accounts on purpose to hide it from investigators to get to Joe Biden. So now we're talking about money laundering. Uh, we're talking about tax evasion, I believe, because I don't think Joe Biden put on his taxes that he got five million bucks that he spent. So there's all these things that are going on that need to fully be investigated. You know, in 2017, though, they put 10 million on and people are trying to say he made it off the book. And we don't think he made it off the book. His first year post vice presidency. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you this. You've seen the 1023, right? You've yes, seen it. I've read it. You've read it. I've read the, the, the I've read the redacted version that FBI brought to us. Just tell us this thing is real. This thing is substantive. This is not this is so much more important than the Steele dossier, which was fiction. I mean, this is this is a real thing. This is not just we're all hanging on to something. Tell us about that. Well, look, this document was was is, is a report in from the FBI's own confidential human source that the FBI has said is a highly credible source that they've paid before. that they have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to that I believe is still working for FBI as a confidential human source. So this is their internal document, not ours. Number two, this is a document where Chris Ray was basically fighting uh, James Comer from seeing a document that we knew we needed to see because it came up uh, from a whistleblower who was giving us information about what's been going on behind the scenes. That's number two. Number three, what this document clearly shows is that Joe Biden was involved in the pay for play uh, scandal and that he used the power of his office at the time being vice president to get the Ukrainian uh, prosecutor fired because the Ukrainian prosecutor looking into Burisma would have stopped Burisma from being able to get involved and raise yeah. capital in the United States. Can I ask you about that? That one thing, and I, I hear it from the left. Well, this was the policy of the European Union. Everybody wanted this uh, this prosecutor fired, Shokin, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd like to point out that, well, who was in a perfect position to make that the policy? Possibly policymakers like Joe Biden. But what do you say to that part? Uh, two things. Number one, people could have wanted the prosecutor gone. But it, it appears that Joe Biden used the power of his office to actually do that. That is corruption. That is public corruption, no matter how you want to define it. Second point, Nancy Pelosi led an impeachment effort against Donald Trump over a phone call trying to find this information with Vladimir Zelensky. My thing is, well, geez, I think we know now, I think we know now why there was such a rush 
to move with this impeachment to distract from the fact that there was information of you in Ukraine about Joe Biden using the weight of his office in a public corruption scandal and getting paid as a result of it. Uh, by, uh, I'm sorry, James Comer has been here a number of times and uh, we like him. We like the work he's doing. Sometimes I sense that Speaker McCarthy kind of wants to corral him. You know, don't go too far on this. You got to make it about legislation. Mm-hmm. You can't make it about, I don't know, impeaching Joe Biden or driving him from office. Is he kind of telling you guys to cool your jets a little bit? No, actually, I don't think so. Look, I'm on oversight. I work with James Comer a lot. We go through a lot of these issues. Uh, he calls me. We talk about next steps in, the, in our process. But McCarthy is the one. I'm wondering if he is the one who's saying, like, you know. No, I, I mean, that's what I'm trying to relay. Yeah. I don't think that to be the case. Chairman Comer, and when we talked at the beginning of this Congress, it was about going through the, the process methodically to get the information, to get the right information, to be able to document it and present that evidence to the American people. And so we don't want to be like how the Democrats were, where they're just pulling at straws, using phony information to just try to, to, to go after President Trump. We want to lay out the evidence clearly for the American people. So as every time we go to the camera, we're bringing a new piece of information to lay the case. If it ends up being impeachment, then that's where we go or whatever the case might, might be. And I think uh, Chairman Comer, from everything I've seen and what I know, he's not been encumbered in right. his process. When you go on camera, it's pretty wild, uh, especially when you go into the belly of the beast, CNN, and it went mega viral. Let's take a little quick peek at what happened um, I don't remember the occasion, actually. What was the occasion? What was the, oh, it was oh, the, right after the town hall. Right after the right. town hall. All right, here we go. Take a look. Well, town halls are for the voters, not for the press, not for the person who's the moderator. Caitlin spent more time interjecting her own viewpoints or her own look, views on the situation. Me, the, the, those are actually facts. facts now, are you, hold on. Are you guys not going to interject your well, views on here? Do I get a chance to right, speak now? If you're speaking okay, falsely, wait a second, wait a those were facts. The town hall is for the president to speak to the voters of New Hampshire, not for this back and forth well, with, with media. Who that's number that? one. <laughs> it went on. You owned it. Uh, yes. That's just a small smidgen. It goes on for about 15 minutes. It's amazing. The moment they get criticized, yeah. I mean, they criticize you guys all day long. That's all they do. The moment you turn it back at them, they get, oh, they want to call security. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. I mean, look, the press is very comfortable being protected by other members of the press. When you come in and challenge them, then it's a really it's a challenge to their worldview, what they've been what they're thinking behind the cameras, what the editors are thinking, what the producers are thinking. It's but it's important to go into that environment and challenge that. And here's why. There are a lot of people at home who watch these networks. They may not watch Newsmax. They should, but they may not. But they watch CNN, they watch MSNBC, and that's all well and good. But they don't turn the channel. They don't take an opportunity to see a different point of view. So bringing another point of view actually helps people uh, read between the lines and see what's really going on uh, politically and in our country. So that part was fun. The second part is when you actually bring actual facts and real information to the table and not this. uh, They like to talk about, oh, how it looks. The narrative. What does the narrative say (laughs) now? Where do we go politically? No, no, no. Let's get to the facts of what's going on. I think that's critical when you go on these shows. Congressman Byron Donalds, we so appreciate it. Continued success. Come back soon, and we'll be right back. After leaving the White House, Bill Clinton kept 79 audio tapes in his sock drawer. When he was sued for them, he won the case. 
Judge Amy Berman Jackson's decision states under the statutory scheme established by the Presidential Records Act, the decision to segregate personal materials from presidential records is made by the president during the president's term and in the president's sole discretion. And he's absolutely right, a thousand percent right. There he is, Bill Clinton. And he made these tapes with some historian, and it was uh, highly litigated, and it included our next guest, Michael Bakesha, senior attorney for Judicial Watch. He wrote about this in uh, yesterday's Wall Street Journal. Great piece. I hear about this Sox case all the time. I don't quite get it. Michael, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me tonight. Many thanks. Listen, uh, the president was right there, and uh, you were the guy. Can you break this down for us, if you don't mind? Absolutely. I mean, first off, I was the guy to lose. So, you know, it's a little bit painful to hear President Trump talking about a case I lost. But it's a but good thing you lost. <laughs> apparently. So, you know, what we had was we learned that uh, President Trump, while he was in office, he um, was recording uh, tapes with this historian. And on the tapes were conversations President Clinton had with members of Congress, with foreign leaders talking about policy, talking about potential military activity. So all the sorts of things that would be classified information um, had the tapes been in the possession of the White House. Um, but instead, President Clinton kept these tapes in his sock drawer. And uh, when Judicial Watch learned about this, uh, we asked for the tapes from archives. Archives told us, oh, those are personal records. They're not presidential records. We didn't believe him, and so what did we do? We sued. And when we got into court, um, when the archives was represented by the Justice Department, they changed their tune. No longer did they say they were personal records. They said, no matter what they were, the President of the United States made a decision that they were personal records. He took those records. Now there's nothing that the archives or the federal government can do about it. And the court in 2012 agreed. Uh, Judge Jackson stated, she ruled, for, ruled in a nice long opinion, that it's in the sole discretion of the President of the United States to decide what records are personal, what records are presidential. When stuff is placed in boxes and deemed or categorized or classified as personal mm. and taken with the President when he leaves office, there's no duty or obligation um, or even any mechanism for the federal government to go and get those records yeah. if they think those yeah. records were prop, mis, pro, mis, uh, th that they weren't personal records, that they were presidential records. I get it. So no, I'm sorry. I get it. It totally makes sense. But let me ask you something. How much of this do you think, in retrospect, is personality driven? You know, they have the same laws, the same set of facts or similar set of facts. I feel like they wanted to protect Bill Clinton, you know what I mean? And they want to hurt Donald Trump. And sometimes this comes from a personal, you know, visceral point of view. And then the judges, the lawyers, they make it work around that driving force, though. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I mean, I believe this is all politics, because otherwise, why would the Justice Department and why, why would the Justice Department change their tune, right? Only 10 years ago, they were arguing they couldn't do anything about records a president took with him when he left office. Now that they're saying, oh, not only can we look forever for potential records, but we can forcibly take them by a search warrant. And so something has changed. And the only thing that has changed is whose records they're looking to get. All right. So uh, they are not talking about the Presidential Records Act, though, in this indictment. It's the 
It's the Espionage Act. And they did that on purpose because they know what you know, correct? Absolutely. I mean, but the indictment starts reading like it's going to be about the Presidential Records Act. Paragraph two of the indictment talks about how Trump, during his time in office, placed documents in boxes. And then paragraph four talks about when he left the White House, how he took those documents he placed in boxes and took them with him. So that sounds like the Presidential Records Act, but it's surprisingly absent from anywhere in the indictment. In there is the Espionage Act. And under the Espionage Act, the question is whether or not President Trump is authorized to have the records that he still has. And there's no dispute that when he was president of the United States, he was authorized to do whatever he wanted with those documents. So with the, with the Espionage Act combined with the Presidential Records Act, President Trump, while he was president, could have made a de decision that he was going to keep these records when he left office. And he took the records with him, and that's where the Justice Department is today. By the way, when was this lawsuit filed by you? It was, uh, I think, 2010 with the court ruling in uh, 2012. Okay, yeah, because he's, uh, all right, that makes sense. I was like, was this in the 90s when Clinton was president? You couldn't have been, a... anyway, we appreciate it so much. Michael Bakesha uh, from Judicial Watch, please, you guys are the best. Keep it up. Thank you, and we'll be right back. So, you know, Newsmax has a great podcast network, and on it you can find the Jerry Callahan Show, the legendary broadcaster out of Boston. Politics, sports, and revenge, his mantra. I love it. Jerry Callahan joins us once again. Jerry, welcome. How are you? Hi, Greg. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Hey, tell us about the politics, sports, revenge. Tell us a little bit about the revenge part. I, I don't That's it. That's a Boston thing. I, it goes back years and years. But uh, I don't know. It seems to me that revenge is always entertaining. Think about movies, Greg. Every great movie, whether it's uh, Braveheart or Shawshank Redemption, every great movie is about revenge. And, and you wait the whole movie. You wait the Count of Monte Cristo. You wait for the end. You wait for the revenge. And it seems like that's a big part of the uh, daily drama that you talk about, that I talk about, that uh, is driving our politics right now. Jim Comey said it. He said that Trump would be the retribution president. He meant that as a put down. I think that's that's accurate and that's OK. I think many of the 75 million people who voted for him last time and will vote for him again, they want revenge. It doesn't that's not a bad thing. They deserve revenge after what Joe Biden and, and the people around Biden and the mainstream media have put him through. I'm OK with uh, Trump being motivated by a little uh, revenge. Yeah, and let's face it, he's honest about it. I mean, people are motivated by all kinds of things in politics. I think most of them just want to be famous. And uh, if, if you want to get back at your enemies who have done horrible things to the country, more power to them. By the way, the FBI, do you ever think it would come to this? No, uh, yeah. no. You know, Greg, I, I watch you every night, and my favorite segments you do is when you just take apart the, the military and Millie and uh, Austin and these frauds. I was talking about this today on my show with uh, Dave Rubin, and we were saying like 10 years ago, I trusted the FBI. I looked, at, I respected the FBI. I looked at the Joint Chiefs. You know, I looked at the Secretary of Defense with respect. I, you know, I looked at those ribbons, uh, and with respect. Now I look at the ribbons across Millie's bloated body, and I think, what a, you know, what a creep. I mean, what a fraud. I mean, I, he, 
All, he, all he's done is lose wars, and and we've seen that that side by side with Millie and Eisenhower, and he's got like ten times more ribbons and medals than Eisenhower had. And I look at FBI like the guy, the deputy director, that Abate guy that Ted Cruz took apart a couple days ago, and he just gives me the creeps. They're just the ultimate deep state swamp creatures now, and it's sad because you you know you and I younger days we looked up to these guys, and now I think they're a big part of the problem. It's sad, but it's it's true. And, you know, we respect people in law enforcement in the uniform, of course. But I think uh, some of them have to remember that they serve the people, not the other way around. And I think that's kind of lodged in their in their head, uh, which is regrettable. By the way, do you think we were missing something 10, 15, 20 years ago? Is it all coming to light? It was this a long time coming or did it just did it just happen? That's a great question. I think it, uh, most of it just happened, like everything else, because of Trump. Trump threatened their their way of life. I mean, they are part of the, the swamp, the deep state. And when he came in and, and threatened to shake things up, didn't shake them up enough, they saw him as a threat to their way of life, much like... You know, Biden does and, and, you know, Tony Blinken and these all these creeps, they all think Trump's an existential threat to their existence and which is why he must be stopped. I mean, which is why we're living through what we're living through right now. They don't want to leave it up to the voters. They want to stop him no matter what. We know, you know, that there'd be no indictment if he weren't running against uh, against Biden. There'd be no indictment if you were a Democrat. Hell, there'd be no indictment if, right now at least, if not for the Biden bribery scandal. Hey, let me ask you this. And what do we do? What should I do? What should you do? What should the people do? We talk about these things and people watch shows and that kind of thing. Sometimes I feel like, well, we got to do something, right? I mean, you know, I've said we got to write letters. You got to get on social media. I guess you got to vote. What else can you do? I mean, and so much of this stuff is being driven, as you know, by the left. The left, they're not covering Biden's corruption. Conservatives, we complain about the lack of coverage, but sometimes we don't actually, I think, cover it adequately ourselves. We got to work on that. I got to work on that. Oh, I tell I I tell people to watch you. That's what I I mean, I (laughs) it blows my mind how corrupt the mainstream media has become. Again, Greg, you know this better than anyone. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they would cover the Biden bribery scandal. They'd at least spend a minute on it. They spent zero minutes. There were I, I added it up the other day. Washington Post and New York Times combined, they had 27 stories on Trump, one on the uh, Biden bribery scandal. They had one story on Trump's bathroom chandelier in the Washington Post. Nothing on the sitting president allegedly taking $5 million uh, from uh, from a Ukrainian oligarch. They're just so far gone now, Greg. They're just. I don't think there's any hope for the mainstream media, which is a good thing for you and me. That's right. Hey, well, we so appreciate it, Uh, Jerry. Great seeing you, Jerry Callahan. Check him out on Twitter at the the Callahan Show, and you can get it on Newsmax. You can get it on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, Amazon, and uh, hey, very quickly, Chadwick Moore. You had the Tucker Carlson biographer, a whole book on Tucker Carlson. What did he have to say, if you can, in fifteen seconds? Uh, He was good. I mean, he was excellent. He hung out. He said Tucker doesn't use deodorant. Tucker, he said. He said he's a terrific guy, hung out with him and his family, uh, but he does not know what his next step is going to be. I think this Twitter thing is a pretty good temporary move, as you can see by the by the views. But I don't know, Greg, maybe you could uh, give him a call, get him over here at Newsmax. I've been telling him, President, I think he's going to run for in 2028. Oh, mind you, I'm, I'm pulling for Trump. Jerry, we appreciate it very much to be continued. And we'll be right back. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow, Friday.